Okay, let's everybody admit we've all snuck food and drink into a movie theater. We've all done it. I've done, I've definitely brought in a few cans of Coke here and there. <laughs> Where it I've, pops open. Yes, exactly. You have to cough over it. You, you know, cough over oh, it. Oh, I don't even cough it. over it. I just bust it open. Oh, yeah, you bust it open. Yeah, you yeah. wait till the arc light guy like gives his little speech and then leaves. Um, so I want to know what is the strangest thing you have snuck into a movie theater? Has a, you know, have you, have you gone to any extremes, you know, a Thanksgiving dinner? Maybe that's too much. That was, I would bow down if someone said they brought in a Thanksgiving dinner to a movie theater. Um, I brought a seven layer dip into a movie theater though. This is what I'm talking about right here. <laughs> a seven a layer dip. And chips, obviously, into the movie theater. With <laughs> of cans, course. So with you, you're just eating it with your hands? <laughs> yeah. Not an animal, Kim. Jesus. Yeah. No. Seven Listeners, I'm going to put the pressure on our guest. We have a wonderful guest today named PJ McCormick, who, quote unquote, said, I am a nobody, uh, and please don't introduce me in any positive way. So, PJ, he's not a nobody, you guys. PJ. Have you ever snuck anything weird into a movie theater? Um, I think my answer is going to be the equivalent of someone asking me, where's the craziest place you've had sex? And then I would say my bedroom. Um, so I'm probably going to say maybe Twizzlers from CBS. You snuck Twizzlers in. From, that's good. Well, I snuck in a food that they actively they sell. sell in... <laughs> Uh, a movie theater, so I don't know how but crazy of, of an cost. answer that is. At a third of the cost, right? You know, we're doing this. No, I, no, I I got it from Vons, so I probably <laughs> paid more. <laughs> you paid more, and then risked being thrown out of the theater. You know, you know what? The, I'm a just, big just union like, guy, and so uh, I understand that Vons. I understand that Vaughn's, um, uh, their work is a unionized, so I wanted to pay a little extra um, to the union bosses that take care of their employees, because uh, I don't think AMC or Arclight um, uh, have uh, socialist values that I socialist value. Socialist values, yep. You know what? That is the perfect reason to sneak in food, is because you don't believe that a movie theater has socialist values, and I support that. Um, I'm trying I also to don't of- believe in the generation of wealth. Um, so I don't pay from I sneak myself into the theater too. So <laughs> I don't want to well- contribute to any blockbusters becoming hits. Oh, oh, interesting. Because that that's our theme today, folks. Today we are talking summer blockbusters, you know, those movies that just they go in, they go in hard, they bring the audiences, they pack the theaters, and for whatever reason, we love them. So I'm so very excited to have, again, PJ McCormick, who he may not want to hear this, but is a very talented improviser. You may have seen him on Herald Night at UCB. He's also a coach every now and then, and I've had the pleasure of doing improv with him. So welcome, PJ. Yeah, my old JLPT. P alumni. <laughs> I still don't know how to pronounce that name that you somehow 
designated for our I team. I didn't pick that name. Okay, long story you pick, short. You said John Leguizamo, and then someone said John Leguizamo presents the pest, and then someone else said, um, what about JLPTP, which is the most, it does not roll off the tongue whatsoever. But you set the Kindle that started the fire. Listen, I wanted our improv group to be called Always Leguizamo. <laughs> Everybody was against it. I did not want to do John Leguizamo. Leguizamo presents the pest, JLPTP. That was not my argument. In fact, I fought to the very end for always Leguizamo, which would have been, I don't know, maybe it would have changed the course of our history. But It would have definitely been more memorable. And whenever people <laughs> introduce us, they wouldn't get hung up on the initialism like I just did. Um, <laughs> like, what the hell does that stand for? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Although it is very funny once you find out that it stands for John Leguizamo presents the pest. <laughs> I'm I'm really hoping that one of you chose John Leguizamo as your fictional crush today. I really, you hope. know what? No, oh. I didn't. But I would love to. Br- we need to do an episode on him because I feel like I could do an entire episode on why I love John Leguizamo. Well, you named an entire improv team after him, so I tried to. <laughs> I tried to make it very clear so that when we when we were you know pulling up in searches, when people are searching for John Leguizamo, we just so happened to pop up with him. <laughs> but no, we we didn't go that route, guys. Let's go ahead and start this show and start talking about summer blockbusters. And we're back. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I wish we had an explosion sound to really drive home the theme of today's episode of Crush Fictionally. I am Michelle Veray, and with me, me, Kimberly Trong. And we're so excited to have our lovely guest, PJ McCormick, joining us today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So today we're talking about summer blockbusters. Kim, I know that you have been doing some research about different types of movies, what makes a summer blockbuster. So what makes a summer blockbuster? Oh, I got to be honest with you. I have not done technical research. I just conjured up ideas in my brain as to what I think a summer blockbuster should incorporate. But to me, a summer blockbuster, right? It's a few things. I think, first of all, as lame as it sounds, it's fun for the whole family. One, it doesn't have to be, but I think it it probably should. Yeah, of course, there's going to be like sexual innuendos, maybe a, a few sexy scenes. I'm not against that. But it's pretty much for the most part fun for the whole family. Like dad's going to like it. Grandpa, grandma, mom, you know, your your crazy uncle. Everybody's going to have a good time because yeah, there's grandma's going to love the sexual innuendo. <laughs> oh, grandma <laughs> and the loves sexy, the sexual sex scenes. <laughs> grandma loves the sexual innuendo. Okay. We know this for facts, right? Um, Because Grandpa, just kidding, we're not going down that route. But but maybe there's an explosion. Maybe there's like some sort of like, will they or won't they, right? Maybe there's um, 
some ticking time bomb, not a literal one, but, you know, some countdown clock. They, you know, they're up against the, you know, gun. They, they, they've got to they've got to do this thing. And right, uh, to in me? today's America, that's before the movie even starts. <laughs> 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 this is 100% facts. Guys, if you forgot, we're here with PJ McCormick, super funny guy, uh, improviser, funny dude, uh, self-professed nobody, quote unquote. I didn't call him that. He wanted to be called a nobody. I just want to express that he wanted to be called that. But I don't think he's a nobody. He's very much a somebody. PJ, what do you think needs to be in a summer blockbuster? Um, <clears throat> I think uh, I, I agree with the family. Uh, aspect um, because uh, you got to multiply ticket sales. And the best way to do that is to bring um, uh, a child into the theater. Um, I also think that they play a huge role in the experience. Um, for instance, when I saw um, the, the, the final Avengers movie, which is a culmination of 10 years of storytelling to this pivotal three-hour film, I sat next to a kid who kept asking, who's he? Who's she? What are they doing? And then he kept running up and down the aisle. <laughs> I couldn't enjoy this film anymore. So I think that kid plays a huge role. Um. <laughs> And um, um, I think sequels like I think oh, I don't yeah. think a, a, a film counts as a blockbuster until it has a number two at the end oh, really? or a part two. That's yeah. a hot take. Interesting. Well, I, just, hot take. I just feel like blockbusters, it's not about being good. It's about making money. Right. You're right. You're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And so, if you manage to do both, spectacular. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely that's when I am embarrassed to love the movie, you know, Um, because in my mind, like, I wish I was like an avant garde, uh, like I love old cinema, you know, uh, Humphrey Bogart films, stuff like that. Nobody wants that shit. No one wants to see that. Give me... Uh, a man who has to run from an explosion. Uh, you know, he maybe his shirt has been ripped open for no apparent reason. Uh, there is a woman who's like punching some dude in the balls. You know, I'm here for that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, Forget mm-hmm. Humphrey Bogart. And, you know, with the, whole, with the whole family friendly thing, um, you substitute blood with um, like black soot. <laughs> <laughs> Because they want to keep that PG rating. That's right. It's like a, you, you, uh, you, you just you were in a propane explosion, and you only have black soot on yourself. This is this. That's not possible. <laughs> that is fantastic. I well, okay. I want to get back to this experience, the the movie in, experience. I almost feel like you have to have a kid rambling during a movie in order to truly have the in-person movie summer blockbuster experience. But before we move to that, Michelle, is there anything we missed? What needs to be in a summer blockbuster? Oh, I think you guys all have it. Although I do have someone on my list from a movie that is definitely not a sequel and will not be oh. a sequel. So we can talk uh, about that, but uh, we we can debate that later. I think mm. everything you guys said, big names from actors, directors, all of that is what I picture in 
a summer blockbuster. That's right. It's got to have a gigantic person in it, right? Maybe even like four of them where mm-hmm. you where, where you just keep watching the movie and you're like, oh, that guy's in this. That guy too? Oh, shit. That like, And then you start adding up all the money in your head and you're like, oh, my God. This is a lot. This is a huge budget film, right? Let's get right into it. PJ, you're our guest of honor. Who's your fictional crush from a summer blockbuster? Um, yeah, so um, my crush, um, I mean, I think everyone in this film's great. And I wish I could say the whole cast. But, you know, just like The Bachelor, I would love to take them all home with me, but I can't. <laughs> Um, you just love one of them. You're more in love with one of them than the yeah, other. Yeah, but I'm having a great time with all of you at once. I'm um, sure. Uh, so my my film is Spider-Man 2. Um, that's my favorite Toby, blockbuster, Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire? Sp- yeah. Wow. Yeah, not wow, Tom wow, Holland. Wow. Definitely not Andrew Garfield. Um, <laughs> wow, that's a hot take. <laughs> I have nothing against the actor. It's just the his version or the director's version of uh, Peter Parker was just too moody, way too cool. I think one of the movies opened with a shot of him like skateboarding down the street, showing up to his graduation where he was like, I don't even want to be here. I'm just here to get the fucking diploma and get out, you know? <laughs> It's like, that's not Peter Parker. Toby was real Peter Parker. And the reason why I loved him in the movie is because how pathetic he is (laughs) and how they, the whole movie is just them piling shit onto him. Uh, He's just like a landfill of, he's just a dumpster site of emotional (laughs) um, soil and manure that's being just slowly dripped onto him oh, i see the picture pj i see yeah. the picture it's a very clear Got picture it. and i agree i agree with you because it is ripe for conflict right and it's ripe for satisfaction when he does get that spider bite right and he turns and you're like yeah the oh, loser well, that, can be the you that's know. the first one that's the first movie the second movie right, he already right. has his powers and he's still so pathetic <laughs> And like still nothing goes his way. And um, I I just love that portrayal because I feel like growing up, a lot of kids wanted to be like Batman, like in my generation. Mm, yeah. Um, and Batman, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers, but he's super wealthy and uh, he has a bunch of gadgets and he's got like a uh, like a recon team like Lucius and Alfred and and uh, Oracle, he's a bunch rich. of people helping. Exactly. It's the capitalist he's got resources. Yeah. They should just call him capitalism, man. Because uh, <laughs> Catman. I feel I feel that spider that Peter Parker getting bitten by a spider is more attainable to me than being a wealthy <laughs> billionaire uh, that can buy his way into um, defeating enemies. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Michelle, you were going to chime in something. What were you going to say? You were going to say something? If not, no, tell us who your no. crush is. Oh, who my crush is? Oh, it was a game time decision. I'm going to do it, though. Do and it. I'm going to say... <laughs> That my <laughs> summer blockbuster fictional crush, fictional crush is Dr. Henry Wu from Jurassic Park, played by Ooh, B.D. Wong. I like he. It was a really tough decision. I'll come back to my very close second choice, uh, 
but there wouldn't be a Jurassic Park without B.D. Wong. He was the geneticist who created the dinosaurs in the first movie. We skipped him in the second one. He shows up again in the Crime. third. He's he's up to some nefarious behavior. Uh, but he's does has very little screen time in in the beginning movies. But then he comes back 2015 for Jurassic World, and um he's he's not even just creating dinosaurs at that point. He's genetically modifying the dinosaurs so they're even scarier than they were back from 1993. So he's packing a punch. There would be no. You know, Sam Neill, Alan Grant, Owen Grady without B.D. Wong as mm. Henry Wu, geneticist, creator of bringing back dinosaurs from extinction and modifying new dinosaurs, not once, but twice. I haven't seen the movie in a while. It wasn't that old white guy, um, you know, uh, the the nature documentary guy. <laughs> <laughs> rich guy that owns the place yeah he's like batman he just gives the money he's like uh, <laughs> and once again just like every capitalist movie steve he's the one that we all attribute him to he's like the steve jobs of uh, uh exactly. jurassic park geneticism uh, right we just <laughs> and assume, he had to go oh, he find, created it yeah but he didn't he had to go find a geneticist to create it and in the background Henry Wu is creating these dinosaurs and then obviously recreating them many times over. Mm. You just fell into your own capitalist uh, agent, uh, propaganda, PJ. You didn't even realize that that old white guy wasn't even a scientist at all. Oh, I'll be whipping myself tonight for that. <laughs> Good. I would like to see the marks afterwards, okay, as proof yeah, to, that you've in. been punished. Should I go ahead and re reveal my crush? Yes, yeah. please. Guys, I love this man. I have chosen for my fictional crush, Captain Jack Sparrow mm. from Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. That came out in 2003. Guys, this budget... This budget for this film, $140 million. Speaking of rich people, some rich people, Disney, thanks, thanks, Disney, made a $140 million movie and turned that into a $654 million box office hit. Wow. Insane. That's actually not that much money that they put into it. Because no, from what I understand, everything. well, what I understand is like to make a like a blockbuster film, you half of the movie is for uh, half of the budget is for production, and the other half is for advertising. So they, I think they only made they made it on seventy million. That's even more insane to me because uh, essentially uh, the I don't know if you guys remember the first movie, but that first movie they have that whole cave right where you know they're supposed to spill the blood of William Turner right, and that whole cave is a set. They built that from the ground up, and it was probably I think the biggest investment in terms of production design. Fantastic, looks great, guys. I I love Jack Sparrow because how can you not? I mean, he looks like he's constantly drunk. He probably is constantly perpetually drunk. But he's that guy who you look at and you're like, 
maybe I could become better if I just let myself go a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I didn't aim for such perfection, maybe I would just fall into these perfect scenarios. He's that guy who always lands right side up making mistake after mistake after mistake, notorious for being a terrible uh, captain of a ship, yet is probably accidentally one of the best. I love Jack Sparrow. I'm so glad they added him to the ride. Guys, thank thank you, Disney. Although, damn you at the same time, capitalism. Well, uh, Jack Sparrow is... um, Did you guys ever see... I forgot which Superman movie it is, but there, I think it opens with like a blind man walking and he just like keeps getting into, uh, he keeps like walking into like dangerous construction site situations <laughs> and like he just keeps getting away with it. Or, or maybe I'm thinking of Mr. Magoo. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> One but, or the other. <laughs> uh, that's Jack Sparrow. He he somehow manages. He but also, didn't they later write him to be kind of like a conniving mastermind and it kind of ruined his character a bit? Look, I got to be honest with you. I gave up after the third part Pirates movie. They, ha- guys, do you, do you, can you guys guess how many movies they made out of this freaking Pirates of the Caribbean? More than Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park's what got five and six on the way, and I think that Pirates of the Caribbean has more. There are five goddamn movies. There are five Pirates movies. And the funniest part is that... Your answer is so over- underwhelming. <laughs> we both overguessed. Like, <laughs> PJ like, like, at least 20, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, PJ, that sounds low. At least 25. <laughs> Kim's like, there were four. <laughs> there was one. No, there were five. I got to be honest with you. When I first read that there were five, I was like, holy shit, there's five? Like, uh, to me, I thought that was a ridiculous number for this. And I knew I knew they obviously went on and made all these movies, but I had no idea it was five. Five is crazy to me. But, uh, you know, hey, whatever. You know, they're going to milk it, like, uh, uh, as for as long as uh, they can. And back to PJ's point, it's like, is it really a summer blockbuster if there's no sequel? Hey, I guess I chose a summer blockbuster that definitely had four sequels, which is insane. But I do love the first movie. I mean, come on. That first shot where we meet Jack Sparrow and he comes in, there's this, you know, majestic music playing and he's at the top of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but he's at the top of his little mast. Yeah, yeah, the mast on his boat, and you're imagining he's coming in on this big old ship, and it's just this tiny dinghy, and it's slowly sinking as he comes into port. It's the most perfect introduction to a character ever, I think. It's hilarious, the work that Johnny Depp put into it, which is really funny. So this character was created by writers Ted Elliott and Terry Rossio, and they wrote it with Hugh Jackman in mind oh, oh the greatest showman on earth yeah and i Which would definitely I so not watch it no i'm just yeah, talk- I mean, i'm talking about him himself <laughs> <laughs> not the movie no <laughs> don't get me wrong i love me some hugh jackman i think hugh jackman is probably the most perfect wolverine ever but i also kind of grew up uh, an x-men nerd so i really loved seeing him portray it like he i think he perfectly encapsulates the role of wolverine and that's another movie that has gone on to make a billion wolverine movies i at least to me it seems like a billion it's probably only three um <laughs> and everyone's underwhelmed again but i want to i want to do some like comp- contrast and comparisons here so we've got 
specifically Spider-Man 2, Tobey Maguire's uh, Peter Parker from Spider-Man 2. We've got Michelle's uh, Dr. Wu. Wu. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wu from Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3 and Jurassic World. And then I've got Captain Jack Sparrow. Um, I think we have such a great eclectic uh, group of <laughs> people here. Now, why exactly uh, why exactly are we drawn to these people? Like from I know PJ, you talked a little bit about how he's pathetic or whatever. But is there a moment in the movie that like was the moment that hap- that solidified it for you in terms of like I love this shit. I could watch this again and again. Did you actually see it in the movie theater? Actually, first of all, uh, yeah. And I dressed up as Spider Man. Like not a bit. Did you really? Yeah. I went to. I love this. I think so. It came out two thousand four. So I was probably like 15, 16, something like that. So I went to um, like KB Toys and I got the Spider-Man mask, which is just, it was a children's mask that barely fit on my face. Um, (laughs) Like basically take Spider-Man's whole mask and like apply it to like the Robin um, mask, which is just like like uh, uh oh like a raccoon God. mask right it was so yeah. small it barely fit on my face um and then i had um i put on uh, cuz i didn't have money so i <laughs> i had a spider-man red shirt and then i put on like a a blue undershirt like long sleeve shirt you're hardcore pj when all i was part of their marketing campaign i was a guerrilla marketing <laughs> campaign for them uh on my own I volition i thought you didn't like capitalism pj uh, I mean, I don't. He still has to pay. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> as this, money. yeah, I got to pay the bills, and I feel like as this podcast goes on, I am willing to sell out at this point. <laughs> I'm, I'm willing to cash in. Um, Good on you, PJ. Good on you. But I, uh, I remember I, I saw it at AMC 24 in. Um, you remember the exact theater? 24, yeah, in Sugarland. Um, and, uh, I remember the box office was outside the theater and it had like the glass pane in the front. And then the, the box office ticket taker sat inside of this booth and it was glass on the back as well. And so, uh, I was, I, um, I crawled up the back glass panel as Spider-Man. Um, you did not. Well, I wasn't actually climbing. I was just pretending to climb, you know, so that whenever <laughs> when people were buying their ticket, they saw like this poor, <laughs> uh, this impoverished Spider-Man cosplayer. Much like the original Peter Parker. Which is why I love him, man. One of the, I lived in New York for two years and I lived in a shitty little tiny apartment and I felt so satisfied living there because that was the same situation that Peter Parker was in. Like there's a I shot in that. Spider-Man 2 where he like swings in his apartment and it's like a closet, you know, with a single <laughs> window and it's tiny. And I swear, like my apartment was just as small. It, I think it was actually smaller than his and I just felt so much pride because I just wanted to be Spider-Man. I love that idea of like um, a double identity, secret identity. PJ, I love that so much that you were like, I'm like Peter Parker. Yeah. I'm living that life. I have a shitty Spider-Man suit well, in a small apartment. Yeah. So like going on to that I double that identity so thing, like when so i was like 16 when i did that right and so soon after i was like pro wrestling 
um, in Texas. That's right. And I had a bit of a double life just like Peter Parker because I was doing the morning announcements um, oh, for my – You're Peter Parker. For my high school. Yeah. So I was a journalist by day in high school oh. and no one knew that I was a professional wrestler at night. So I would travel around Texas and wrestle shows um, and – Part of Peter Parker's origin story is the wrestling match against Bonesaw. Right. Yeah. So I just saw PJ, a lot of myself in him. Are you Spider-Man? Yeah. Are, are you Spider-Man? Just come right out and say it, man. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Michelle, do you have any sweet memories of going to the theater? Like, you brought up Jurassic PJ's- Park. Did you see Jurassic Park at the theater? I must have. I must have. In 93, I must have. I definitely remember, obviously, seeing the recent ones, Jurassic World. I don't know that my story is as sweet as PJ's. Um, Did you dress up as B.D. Wong? (laughs) (laughs) Every day. I do that every day. Dress up as B.D. Wong. Um, (laughs) I, as a kid, I think the very first movie that I remember was uh, Star Wars, which which would have been The Return of the Jedi. Was that like 87, Return of the Jedi? And I remember I was little enough, I don't know why, we went as a family and it was definitely a summer blockbuster. It was hot out. I remember, I couldn't tell you the theater that we went to, but I can see it in my mind. So I was little enough that I there's things that I don't remember, but that it was like a big event and that everybody was excited about it. So it definitely had that like summer blockbuster feel. And as kids, we went a lot as like a family. We always would go to to movies. It was like our summer thing. So I have a huge affinity to summer blockbusters um, and seeing them in the theater and going. And I just remember seeing that movie. I don't think I really understood it, but the big tub of popcorn and, uh, you know, you just sat there and watched it. You didn't ask your stranger, who's that guy? What is he doing? You just sat, you just sat there and watched it and enjoyed it. Not the kid that PJ Not- encountered. <laughs> yeah. But I but I really enjoyed it. I think I've loved movies um, ever since and going to the theater for sure. Now, I that we are uh, – we're obviously in a pandemic. We're not going to be going to the theater anytime soon. I want to touch upon this when we come back. Well, let's take a quick break soon. But one of the things I really want to talk quickly about if, uh, if we were to talk about real life crushes is I have a huge director crush on Christopher Nolan. I, I drink Christopher Nolan for breakfast. I love his movies, but uh, let's talk a little bit more when we come back about Tenet coming out, hopefully at some point in our lives. And if we're going to be able to see that in the theater anytime soon. Hey, it's Kim and Michelle. And as you know, we do not have any advertisers, but we just want to use this time to give a quick shout out to the good old United States Postal Service. Michelle, tell us a little bit about how we can support the United States Postal Service at this time. Well, I'm so glad you asked. Everybody out there, we're in the middle of this pandemic and the our postal workers are doing all that they can to make sure that we get our packages and our letters and even those monthly bills that, ugh, what a pain. But they're they're working hard. No snow, no rain, no sleet. And even in the middle of this heat wave, they're delivering mail. So one of the ways that you can support the United States Postal Service is, one, you can 
pick up the phone or you can write an email to your congressperson in wherever you live in your area and let them know that you want to appreciate the Postal Service and that you support them in making sure that they are up and running and delivering our mail. As you know, we've got an upcoming election, so it's key that we make sure all the mm-hmm. mail-in ballots get to where they need to go and that everyone out there is staying safe and healthy. In addition to supporting our uh, postal service, one thing that is really easy to do, it would probably take you less than five minutes, is to visit usps.com. And if you go to usps.com, you'll see that they have a postal store. And if you buy a book of stamps, one, you are supporting our United States Postal Service. And then two, you can write somebody a letter. Maybe it's time that you checked in with your mom or your fun uncle and uh, even told maybe somebody that you love them. And who doesn't love getting a written letter or something nice in the mail? I know I do. I know I do. If I have any secret admirers out there, please do send me a mail. Please do send get, me a letter. Get some stamps on USPS.com and then write him a letter. If any of you are or fans Michelle. of the podcast, yeah. Hey, I love I love a good letter. Um and love good love letters. Uh Laura Jean Covey style. Let's do it. You guys Let's do this. You know, Let's save the postal service. Let's get some love letters out. Let's do this. Let's do this and have some fun with it. You'll see some really fun designs uh, from the stamps that you can choose from. There's a women vote, which Kim and Ooh. I are a fan of. You can get pre-order that stamp today. Um, and that they've, they've got all kinds of Earth Day, flowers, hearts, whatever floats your boat. Whatever US. special occasion exactly. you need a stamp for, whatever your card you're putting in the mail, hey, maybe you're billing somebody. Whatever it is, go out and do it. Support the United States Postal Service. Hit us up with that URL again, Michelle. USPS.com. Thanks, guys. Bye. We are back, baby, and we are talking our fictional crushes from summer blockbusters. And yes, I have a real-life crush on Christopher Nolan. I love, love, love. I love his crazy movies. I love Inception. I love the Batman movies. I'm here for it. I've seen probably, I think, all of them in the theater. And I am one of those people who wants to see Tenet in the theater. No, I'm not going to go risk my life right now, but I will wait till 2021 or whenever it's healthy to do so, if I could, um, to see it in the theater. I think that is a theater movie. That is a movie you got to see in the theater, but that maybe that's just me. But just to give a little bit of news around that, Tenet was supposed to come out July 17th. Obviously could not do that. Now they're foreseeing the movie coming out in the U.S. September 13th, which I still think is a pipe dream. But uh, apparently the U.K., they are getting ready to gear up. They're going to have this movie coming out on August 26th, and tickets are already selling out. Mm, People are ready to pack those theaters. Guys, what is wrong with us in the U.S.? We haven't fit. We haven't got our shit in order. We can't go to the theater. We can't do anything. But the rest of the world, I guess, will be seeing Tenet. Okay. Am I the only bougie one who needs to see Tenet in the theater? Is it just me? Um, I'm not looking forward to it um 
So there, um, I think Nolan's a great filmmaker. Like I love his movies, you know. Um, but uh, first of all, like there's a lot of like disguised advertising for it. Like when I go on Reddit, um, it seems like every day there's some new hype post about mm. Tenet's movie. Like, uh, did you know he used a real airplane in in the upcoming film and they destroyed <laughs> oh, it? I saw. I and saw it's like that. all these all these like facts about the movie are coming out. And I'm like, this, this is done by someone was paid to post this. You know what I mean? Probably. Probably. And the other thing is I feel like Tenet specifically along with other films. um, But I think, I feel like Tenet is being used as false hope for a lot of Americans. And I feel Mm. like it is kind of pushing us to rush through this pandemic because uh, that is like one um, example of something that we're missing out on. And so people are just like, Oh, I just, you know, it's, it's like, uh, Oh, it's going to come out in July. Oh, it's going to come out September now. And then people are like, Oh, so that must mean the pandemic will be over at that time. Mm -hmm. So when, when some Hollywood executive says, Tanit is going to be, be released on this date. Now it's telling a bunch of families, oh, then we can start going out without our masks on that date. When it's like, no, no, it's just they don't don't let this movie uh, listen to Fauci. Don't listen to <laughs> Nolan, you know, <laughs> let 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 the CDC and who uh, tell us when we can go outside. Don't let Tenet be the barometer of when everything's safe again. I could not agree with you more. Agreed. Agreed. And I think there's something so romantic about going to the movie theater. I know PJ shared his sweet story and we all have really great memories about going to the theater. And I love going. I very much miss it. Um, I here in California, none of the theaters are going to be open anytime soon. And I think that's the, the smart way to go and for us to stay safe. I think it will be interesting after, after we can, all of us can listen to Dr. Fauci and do the right thing and, and move forward and hopefully, uh, come to terms with what's next after this pandemic that the movie experience, I don't know that it'll be the same. You know, we've obviously mm. missed this summer blockbuster experience in the theater. There are plenty of movies that I have watched at home. Um, I'm, would be so excited to see Tenant um, if it, was on demand today. I would watch it, no doubt. I, um, regardless of the theater, but I think going to the theater is going to be a different experience, and it contextually how we we see movies when we're allowed to go back into the theater at the right time when we should be going. Uh, but I definitely think there's something to be said to to go and experience everything that is involved with the summer blockbuster. So it'll be interesting to see where we go and what their experience is like post pandemic. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, exactly. Is there going to be, yeah, I often think when are certain things, are, are things going to return to normal? Are, am I going to be sneaking food into a movie theater like I used to back in the day or uh, JK, JK, although I'll still do that. But what is this going to look like? What re- repercussions are 
going to happen. I went to my first drive-in movie a few weeks ago. In fact, PJ and I were there together because we are, our improv team went together as a caravan. And I thought that was fun, but it's not the same. It's a different, ex- it's a different experience. I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it was just for me. And maybe because it wasn't the greatest experience <laughs> because we had poor audio and poor projection of the movie. But there is something, I think, the energy of an audience, right? The energy. I was just talking on break. We were just talking, the three of us, about seeing John Leguizamo's um, uh, uh, Latin history. I already forgot the name. What was the name of Latin the show? Latin History show, Michelle? X. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, that's a very different. That's a very different show. But uh, his Latin, Latin history for morons? For dummies? Yeah, it's something like that. Why can't I remember the name? But yes, it's in that vein. We saw that me and Michelle saw this live show and the energy of the audience seeing this live show was incredible because you are, you're laughing when you're laughing. I have laughed because another person laughed really hard. Have you ever been in a movie, right? Where someone goes, oh no, or whatever, you know, they do something wackadoo. They say something like, don't do it. And you're just like laughing because- not, you know, not because necessarily it was a funny comedic moment in the movie, but because of the energy of the audience. And there's something that's so special about seeing a movie with other people. And no, you may not know them, but I can tell you right now, when I went to go see Black Panther, that place was packed, you know, to the brim and everybody was just having the best time. I mean, everybody's just losing their shit. And I've definitely been one of those nerds who at the end of the movie, we all stand up and clap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Have you guys done that? You guys yeah. done that where you're like, dang, this movie was so good. You stood up and clapped. At I, the end? I don't think I've stood up and clapped though. Oh no. Like oh. a standing ovation. Mm. I don't, I've never done That's that. That's interesting. Maybe it's because. I, well, I've, d- I've definitely gone some, to some very nerdy movies uh, opening weekend, and I'm sure you have, Michelle. But you said you have, PJ. You've been in one of those You've been in one of those situations where you've stood up and clapped? Yeah. Um, I went to see Mean Girls in theater, in theaters. <laughs> and I thought um, – I went with like a friend, like maybe like a girl or something, and I was like, this is going to be so bad. And then the movie ended up being like really good and funny. I thought it was going to be just like a teen – um, like she's all that kind of film where it's like, Oh, this is so stupid. Um, but then at the end of the movie, uh, once the credits rolled, I actually stood up and clapped and I may have been the only one to do it, but it was because I was so surprised <laughs> okay. at like, it just completely subverted my expectations. It's a good movie. Yeah. That's a good movie. A movie. I think one of probably Tina's Tina Fey's best on um, the inverse, wanna... on the inverse. Oh. When I went to see Harry Potter, I wasn't even there for the credits because I walked out. <laughs> I was so the very first one. Um, it may have been one of the sequels, but I was just so bored by it. <laughs> I just never got Ooh. into Harry Potter. And you know what? Me neither. I honestly, I haven't seen any of the movies. I tried to read the first book. I'm I read like half of it, and, I'm, and then I gave up. What is wrong mm-hmm. with me? Um, but I'm not very much into the Harry Potter stuff. However, I just just want to return real quick to our crushes. So, okay, we've got Doctor Wu, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were between Doctor Wu and somebody else, though. Someone else was, was tugging at your heartstring. Yeah, they both competed for the number one spot, and it was a game time decision. And maybe just because I watched Jurassic World last night. Um, 
I really wanted to choose Leonardo DiCaprio's Dom Cobb from speaking of Christopher Nolan from Inception, because I think that's probably one of my, I'm a huge fan of his and uh, that might be my favorite, one of my favorite roles that he played. It's such PJ mentioned, you know, the sequels. This is a movie that I really appreciate didn't have a prequel or any kind of sequel or follow up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. His character is very troubled and uh, is working through his the history of his wife. I'm assuming there's people who have seen this movie. I mean, it's 10 years old, but I just, I've, <laughs> I just thought he was such a complex and interesting character. And I did like the relationship, although problematic that he had with his wife and the love for his children and his motivations, although seeming good and maybe even endearing, uh, his, we talked about capitalism with some questionable actions, but it it made it realistic. It made he's a very watchable actor for me, and I loved oh, yeah. him in in this movie. It made oh almost oh, like eight hundred thirty million at the box wow. office. Well, that's um, more than pirates. More than pirates. Well, Jurassic Park. I kept checking this fact because I thought this can't be right. I kept looking to see how much. Jurassic Park had made at the box office and it's over a billion dollars just for the first movie alone. Mm. And then I I thought, oh, that can't be right. That must be for the entire franchise, all of the movies put together. But in 2015, that was over 1.6 billion, almost 1.7 billion. It's funny. It was the number one movie um, a couple weeks, like a, a couple months ago. Because it was re-released in drive-ins. Re-release, yeah, yeah, in drive-ins. It's great if you go back and watch it. It really defined like the summer blockbuster. I know there's other great summer blockbuster movies, Jaws, Back to the Future, but this is typical Steven Spielberg. And I go back and I watched, I rewatched the original Jurassic Park, and that whole idea of you know, at first not showing the dinosaurs. So you get a little bit nervous about what it actually Ooh, yeah. is. So good. And then you see it. And then I did some research because I wanted to know how much was CGI and how much was animatronic. And I believe this was either the first or one of the first movies to have such a big animatronic piece uh, in the film. So that the T-Rex is, there were two animatronic t-rexes that they built for that chase scene so that's why that's i feel like insane it, it feels so realistic and it's real. so good it holds up it does it holds up and uh kim and i always complain about the rotten tomato score of movies like how do i report a crime i watched the latest jurassic world again which came out in 2018 and made over a billion dollars or whatever it was and i found it so real and heart-wrenching there's a there's a twist for anyone who hasn't seen it and this whole this whole idea of playing god is is that okay or is it Mm. not okay and what would you do in this situation I loved it. The fact that it got a really low score on Rotten Tomatoes bothers me, but I cannot <laughs> wait for the next installment. Take my money. I will watch it. I enjoyed Chris Pratt very much. And <laughs> and B.D. Wong. B.D. Wong is missing, and he's got some dinosaur DNA and all kinds of Ooh. evil genius plans. So give me more of that. But, yeah, I think that Christopher Nolan is a genius. I loved uh, Inception. 
it really kind of redefined what a, I think a blockbuster hit was very clever, kind of like an outlier. So Leonardo DiCaprio, no surprise there. Dom Cobb, close number, close number two, fictional crush. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, that you mentioned that because Inception was on my hit list. I do have a few honorable mentions. Inception is one of my honorable mentions that I was like, you know what? Not, you know, I'm not going to pick Inception this time. But y'all remember True Lies? Uh, the Schwarzenegger? Oh, starring yeah. Arnold Curtis. Yeah, Arnold. Yeah. Yo, it was on TV last night and I was like, I forgot how crazy good this movie is. She is like this like meek like housewife, like not getting fulfilled by her super like buff uh hubby who just so happens to be a spy. Guys, it's ridiculous. It's 90s peak ridiculous and I love it. I was rewatching it last night and Yo, can we talk a bit about Jamie Lee Curtis having the most banging body ever? Her body is banging in that movie. I mean, I guess we already knew this before, but they obviously, you know, they bring out the the more like sexy side of her as she her character progresses. But I just wanted to give a real shout out to Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie because, yo, she's looking great. She is hilarious in that movie. Very great comedy going on on her on her part for that role. And I had to shout that out because the movie's crazy. It's absolutely insane. Arnold Schwarzenegger is flying this plane and like there's like this whole thing that takes place, a, a fight on the plane. Can Guys, I, it's nuts. Can I, you gotta is watch that, it. Is, uh, is there, ahead, is there a scene where he like jumps out of like off an exploding dock into the water and he swims? <laughs> okay, <laughs> yes. I remember that film when I saw it. I held my breath. When he went underwater, when I first saw that film, and I I couldn't hold my breath as long as he did. <laughs> That's because they did a lot of cuts to make it look like he swam for that well, long. Then um, it's not believable. It's called movie it's not magic, believable. PJ. <laughs> <laughs> called movie magic but yeah uh the funniest part was uh speaking of that very scene that is exactly when i accidentally tuned into the movie last night was when that whole explosion at the warehouse whatever happens and i'm watching with my boyfriend james and like uh, and james goes "Uh oh arnold's well james literally half paying attention and he goes "Uh oh arnold schwarzenegger's dead and i go oh my god God, you're not paying attention. He just did a heroic jump into the water, one of the most famous shots in that whole movie. Also, did you guys know that James Cameron directed that movie? Oh, no. It doesn't feel like a James Cameron movie to me, but James Cameron did direct that movie. That's such a funny Easter egg when you could just look at the DVD box and see that. <laughs> like this, this was like your trivia segment of the show. <laughs> it's just something that you just like glanced at. <laughs> but it doesn't feel like I didn't know. It I doesn't. mean, obviously it I don't doesn't. own the DVD or the videotape to true lies, but I did not know that. I mean, granted it's also been like, maybe 20 years since I've seen that movie. And when I saw that it was James, a James Cameron film, I was like, Oh, interesting. Didn't strike me as the kind of film that he would do. But then again, what the hell Mm -hmm. do I know? Um, Going back to Jurassic park. I'm ashamed to admit that, I've only just watched that movie from end to end. Cause I've seen it in bits the and original, bombs. I've the only original just, one. 
the original one. Mm-hmm. I've only just watched that movie for the first time last year from end to end. Oh, did you love it though? Or were you not into it? I loved it. It holds so up. It's it a fantastic film. It holds up in so many ways. It's incredibly feminist. I'm like, it's very wow. feminist. It's got the feminist It's uh, angle. It's, it's All the movies have a fair amount of even though the main characters are white males, it's got a fair amount of diversity. In the first movie, you've got a young Samuel L. Jackson. Like you got to do a double take to make sure it's him. He his the catchphrase is "Hold on, hold to, on your to your butts." butts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hold on to your butts, guys. Which is to Kim when you were like, "Bring the family." That's it's. I think it's like a PG thirteen rating. It's scary enough, but not terrifying for a kid. And it's got those, you know cheeky elements where it's, you know, hold on to your butts is something you would laugh at if you heard a kid say, and you'd probably be okay if your kid heard it. But I... That's probably the most PG line Samuel L. Jackson has always had. Well, do you know why it's PG-13? Because in the original script, the dinosaurs had um, pants on, but when they did the CG for it, they took the pants off and so that upped the rating to 13. They didn't want um, anyone under 13 to see um, dinosaur genitalia. Dinosaur penis? Yeah. Well, vagina as well. Are you being serious? It's 100%, 100% true. Is this a bit? Are you, shut up. Are you going to try? I'm stop. <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Dinosaur <laughs> well, pants. Well, um, Steven Spielberg's um, son was um, getting into his teens at that time. And so he wanted to find an approachable way to talk about genitalia. And so that's why he made Jurassic Park. So <laughs> he could point out the um, the T-Rex penis um, and explain how that is used to mate, uh, which is why it has such a strong feminist um, theme to it, um, because he... <laughs> Because Steven Spielberg's wife was also right. involved in, in creating uh, the sun. Like too elaborate. Yeah. <laughs> this sounds you- not true. I I <laughs> think about Steven Spielberg and Jurassic Park and the amount of money he has made off of this just franchise. Just so he can teach his child the birds and the bees. <laughs> no, I just mean it's like <laughs> how many summer blockbusters has Steven Spielberg had? Is my point. Like, he's and his had poor so kid many. still doesn't understand sex. Yeah, <laughs> because it didn't even accomplish the original thing he set out to do, which was to teach his kids about sex. Yeah. Aye, aye, aye. We'll have to make him watch True Lies. Now that's a movie that'll teach you about some uh, some uh, sexual innuendos. That's for sure. <laughs> um. This has been really fun. I, you know, look, I want to, I just want to drop some really fun facts about Captain Jack Sparrow because I think they're super funny. Okay. So it also goes back to like PJ's uh, hatred for capitalism, which don't get me wrong, I'm softening up to it, but I keep giving it to, yeah, I know you said you would sell out. So maybe by the end of this podcast, he will be a full. A full uh, capitalist beast, uh, or uh, I want to get bull? in on that eventual bull, yeah. Patreon that you guys are going to make for this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I, I have no energy to make a Patreon right now. However, uh, speaking of money, um, so CEO of the time of Disney at the time, Michael Eisner, he said apparently that he felt Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp's interpretation of Jack Sparrow was ruining the movie. 
And I can't help but sit here and think the movie is because of Johnny Depp's interpretation of Jack Sparrow. In fact, Jack Sparrow was only supposed to be like a kind of like a guy in the background, not literal background actor, but he wasn't meant to be a forefront mm. character. And then they saw his interpretation of the character, funny enough, based off of Keith Richards from a little band you might have heard of called The well, Rolling Stones. It's kind of interesting because it sounds like they they faced the same dilemma that um, Urkel introduced to Family Matters, right? <laughs> So, like, everyone loves... He totally took over. So, to us, it's like, oh, yeah, the Urkel show. But to the person who uh, created a TV sitcom based on his life... Um, uh, as a as a police officer, and what it's like to 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 um, balance law and order and having a family, Urkel, the actor, ruined that for him. <laughs> Damn you, Jaleel White! You're just too good at being uh, a nerd who does crazy things and goes, "Did I do that?" <laughs> I loved that show. I don't care what anybody says. Family Matters is one of the best. Well, it shows the good side of police. And I appreciate that. (laughs) PJ, I know that's a bit. I know that's a a bit. bit. I'm not not stupid. I I know. I know. Although, guys, there's so much to love about that show. A black family. You see their perspective. As someone who doesn't see color and who, who believes that all lives matter. Um, I just appreciate PJ, the family PJ, you're part. a true capitalist now. <laughs> you're a true capitalist now. You've turned. We're not, we haven't even finished the episode and we've already turned. Ay, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, we, Michelle. Did, did Michelle you have more have facts lot. on, did you have more facts on Captain Jack Sparrow? Well, I mean, yeah, I have facts for days, but we don't need to be here. I mean, look. Here's one of the things I thought was also jaw-dropping. Apparently, Disney executive Nina Jacobson asked Johnny Depp if 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 Jack Sparrow was gay and was playing him gay. Ugh. You can't see my face, but I'm making a ugh face. Why would you? Ooh, uh. And then apparently Johnny Depp, so uh, I thought this was very witty of him, replied and said, all of my characters are gay. And I was like, ah, Johnny Depp, that's a great response. Uh, You're definitely uh, doing some weird things in your life right now, man. But that's a good response. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we do we have uh, I have a last question for you guys before we close out. Do we have any is any last thoughts about your fictional? Oh, God, I can't even talk your fictional crushes, Michelle and PJ. Um, yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think for me, what I loved about Peter Parker is that the whole theme of like Spider-Man two is, um, like your wants versus your needs. Right. And he wants to be with Mary Jane, but he has this superhero power. And so he has to give that up so he can, um, continue to help people and so um, I am a big I, I'm a big proponent of like sacrifice for getting what you want. And so for some reason, that movie like really hit me emotionally because there's like that great scene in the cafe where, um, you know, she's engaged to like this uh, space pilot. And um, she's like, do you love me? And he of course he loves her, but he has to say no, because 
uh, then he'll put her in danger, right? Because his enemies will come after yeah. her. And then Doc Ock comes in and just steals her anyway. So it's like, well, it's going to happen. And so I may as well Damn, just man. tell her I love her. And then they get together in the end. So like the first good thing that happens to him in the movie is the final shot. And even that final shot where um, she she runs away from the altar and goes to his shitty little tiny apartment. And um, she's in her wedding dress. And then like police sirens you know, he hears police sirens and then he has to put on the Spider-Man costume. She's like, go. And the funny thing is, if you hear police sirens, it doesn't always mean that there's a violent attack, right? <laughs> so, like, I always think about that. Like, how, why right. is Spider-Man always chasing police sirens when, like, sometimes it could be a mental health issue um, and he's just showing up and making it worse, right? <laughs> Uh, but she looks at him as he swings away and there's like a look on her face of like, did I make the right choice? And it like foreshadows her having doubts about their relationship, um, which the third movie um, just completely obliterated. <laughs> yeah. Uh-oh. This is why we don't have sequels, everybody. Well, Spider-Man 2 was the better movie. Spider-Man 1 was good, but Spider-Man 2 was, like, very relatable, and Doc Ock was so good. I honestly, I thought, like, Doc Ock should have been, like, nominated for um, at least an Emmy um, <laughs> for that. Because <laughs> he was just so uh, relatable and likable, um, and so, like, you felt bad because he was he a father was. figure, you know? Yeah, yeah, he was. Was it Alfred, Alfred Molina? Molina? Yeah. Is that Al? Oh, he's so mm -hmm. good in that. He, Yeah, he's so good. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. Michelle and I did an episode on villains. And that's a good villain that we should probably work in at some point because that was a – he was a very, very interesting villain, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Um, okay. Got a last question to throw out to you guys. And tell me what you think. Is there a movie – that is coming out or you're anticipating whatever that might be that a trailer for a movie you've seen that is coming out that you hope and pray you get to safely see in a movie theater one day. Super Mario brothers. Did you hear that super Mario? They're making a super Mario movie. Are they who with who? Do we know? Um, illumination. I think like the people that did that, um, what is it? The, the Despicable, Despicable Me? Yeah, those movies. They're making a Mario movie. And Mario is the most batshit crazy franchise, I feel like. It's a, mo it's a video game <laughs> series made by the Japanese about an Italian plumber who has to fight a giant <laughs> turtle who keeps stealing a princess. <laughs> Um, from the castle so if they could find a way to make a movie out of that and actually have like some like heart-wrenching <laughs> scenes in it like if it was an actually good movie i would be so fulfilled seeing that in a theater Ooh, and it's gonna be animated i assume um yeah well oh, i assumed it was full they already live made action. a full live action i mean they made I'm a interested. full live action film and it was about mario <laughs> and luigi and john, john leguizamo was luigi and um bowser was um uh fuck who was bowser it was like they got a really good actor um don't ask me i haven't want to say it. gene hackman but it's not i'm him. useless someone someone Whoa, of that level that yeah level, that caliber we so that's what you're excited about super mario yeah <laughs> yeah 
That's my answer. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not opposed to that. Yeah, Michelle, like what do you got? I like it. Uh, we already talked about Tenet. That's high on my list. Uh, I'm excited. She made my short list of honorable mentions. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, so I'm pretty mm. excited. That was supposed to come out, I think, this summer or this fall, but I'm pretty excited about Wonder Woman 1984. And uh, not in the theater, uh, just in your home, if you have HBO. Lovecraft County Lovecraft Ooh, County comes out on HBO. That looks good. Which looks really good, starring Jonathan Majors. He's played some great characters that uh and he can do no wrong i just love him so um i'm excited for that i think it's jordan peele produced so should be pretty good i'm excited about that there is a movie uh that my friend kat uh showed me the trailer to and it looks pretty cool it's called young promising woman starring carrie mulligan and y'all should stop whatever you're doing right now hit pause on this podcast and watch the trailer for that because the trailer is excellent like the the trailer does its job it draws you in there's a fantastic remake of a very popular pop song um i won't say who or what if you can identify what song it is uh kudos to you and it's it looks very intriguing. It feels very current with a lot of uh, the things going on between the Me Too movement, women speaking openly about um, sexual assault and what have you. But it looks very good. And that is a film that, ooh, we, I want to see in the theater. But if I can't see it in the theater, I will certainly watch it at home. But that is probably the one that I can think about. I got to be honest with you. I feel like it's been a dry summer for me in terms of movies that I'm dying to see, but that's just, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. I, I, I think the pandemic has a lot to do with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like even seeing it at home, there's like movies where I'm just like, I'm not sure if I care to see that. Like I'm like, you know what I mean? I'm not sure if I care to stream right. that. I watched the five bloods. <sighs> um, I thought that was really good. We did too. Um, yeah. It's very good. That um I just got like um uh like a 5.1 surround sound thing on eBay and so that was the first movie I watched with it and I got to be honest with you um I don't miss movie theaters because of it. Now that you got Well, you're talking about sound? like, you know, I yeah. miss the rumble of the seat and I'm like, yeah, I got a subwoofer under my yeah. under my couch now. Like it, it's I have a theater in my in my apartment and um you know, I could just hit up my uh, hit up a nephew or something, bring him in, and you know, let him go to town and trying to figure out who the characters are out loud, and then boom, <laughs> like I'm there, I'm back in AMC 24. As as a funny side note, years ago when Inception came out on DVD, I gave it as a gift to my dad because I thought this movie is so incredible. My dad is the one who got me into movies, and I was like, he is going to lose his mind; he's going to love this movie, and. My dad was starting to lose his hearing at this, at the time when we watched oh. it together. So he was watching it with like these big headphones. And then at one point I look at him, I was like, are you loving this or what? And he's like, who's mm. that guy? And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I paused the movie and so I explained to him what was happening. And he's like, okay, got it, got it. And then he turned to me, he's like, what do you say? Wait, what? M- Michelle, what do you say? That movie took us probably like six hours to watch the whole thing because I'd have to pause it and repeat the line and tell him what they were talking about and then pause it again later and explain the movie. But I think he loved it. Uh, <laughs> I don't 
don't know that I loved explaining that movie as much as I had to, but it's just a, every time I think of a funny antidote about Inception, that's probably the, the funniest thing. I also heard a, a friend of mine was at the theater when it came out. And he was with a buddy or whatever who had to leave um, to go like pick up his wife at the airport. So he did have to leave the movie. And as he was walking oh my out, God. Like, sure, in the I'll last, watch the like first 10, 10 minutes, minutes in of Inception. Inception with you. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy leaves and somebody in the movie theater shouts out, really, bruh? Like he's like walking out. He's like, list the last 10 minutes of the movie. And I just think that's such a, it's such a great movie to watch end to end. It's a perfect rewatch because you catch things the second time around. Um, if you need me to explain it to you, you know, hit us up, hit me up. Oh my <laughs> God. Anybody explain it. Literally anybody, le- legit, anybody trying to, uh, n- not watch Inception from end to end. I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know how you get through. It's too confusing if you don't. That watch guy, it the, the guy who left yeah, the theater, sounds like he was having such a fun time with his wife out of town. He just wanted to cram as much activities in. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, I the eleventh hour, the the hour and forty five minutes of this movie, and even if I don't see the critical yeah. ending, and pray to God, <laughs> even if someone spoils just it for me, I enjoy my my my. <laughs> Just my bachelor life as long as I can. My freedom. She's only gone for two days. <laughs> I got to I gotta cram it all in. I'm going to Vegas in the morning. I'm seeing Inception. <laughs> I'm going to see Inception. I don't care if I see it for an hour, an hour and 45, or two minutes. I'm just going to watch it in the theater. <laughs> I do want to know what that guy's itinerary was, though. I am very interested as to what else he packed in while the wifey was away. You know, the old ball and chain. Um, this has been incredibly fun, PJ. I hope you had fun joining us. We have definitely had fun. Uh, is there? Do you want to let people know how they can follow you or, or make fun of you on the internet? No. <laughs> well, everybody, if you want to go find PJ and make fun of him, you're just going to have to work for it. He's not going to tell you how to find him on the internet. But I'll tell you. Um, I'll, I'll get into the credits now. This podcast is produced by the wonderful Peter Burns. Oh, we have Pete. original music by Edith Mudge. Yeah, our wonderful Pete. We love Pete. We all, we, Michelle and I love Pete. We love you, Pete. And then we have wonderful artwork by Rose Fedduck. Uh, I am your host, uh, Kimberly Trong. And by my virtual side is. Michelle Veray, her other your other host for uh, Crush Fictionally. Thanks for listening, guys. If you have any suggestions, anybody you want to hear more about, about that you are just loving a fictional character, hit us up on social media, um, either Twitter or Instagram. We are at Crush Fictionally. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, definitely add us. We want to hear those ideas. Uh, stalk PJ, and then you know, remember. Love yourself because your love is real. Bye now.